Just a quick heads up, this show contains sensitive and graphic material that might not be for everyone. If you don't enjoy in-depth true crime, humor about true crime, and drinking, please don't continue. We want to be respectful of the victims in these crimes, but as for the criminals, we just don't give a shit. Welcome to Crimes and Cocktails, a podcast where we explore true crime while drinking a customized cocktail, created by Tabitha and Katie. Hey guys, it's Tabitha. And I'm Katie. Welcome back to episode three, three of Ed my Kemper. Lord. <laughs> three, my lord. Uh, final part for Ed Kemper. Uh, bum, so bum, last bum. time we... I know, last... Uh, last time we ended with the murder of Cindy Shaw, and tonight we're going to go into the rest of Kemper's murders, his arrest, and then kind of what's going on today with our friend Ed. Uh, but before that, let's get into some information out of the way. Information. For you. Yes. So <laughs> if you are not already following our Instagram, you definitely should. It's at Crimes and Cocktails, or you can always email us with suggestions, comments, um your favorite story about pretty much anything um at just no dick pics please at crimes.cocktails at gmail.com and if you're interested in supporting us i know for the month of october we kind of released a lot of our single shot episodes that are normally just for our patron uh members if you want to be a patron crime drunkie you can check us out at patreon.com slash crimes and cocktails and you should also check out our merch because yeah we have some cool stuff uh in a store now it's at crimesoncocktails.bigcartel.com and uh yeah that's uh that's the information (laughs) christmas is coming up everybody wants a crimes and cocktails back definitely especially your mom i mean why wouldn't you want that and as usual we are sticking just on theme i'm wearing my jury room shirt for uh episode three which if you guys remember that's the bar that ed kemper would hang out with his cop friends and i am drinking a beer (laughs) cheers guys and I'm on theme in that I'm dressed like a bum. So <laughs> you dressed like a college hitchhiker. Yes. Headless college. Ahead. Did you guys have a great Halloween, by the way? Oh, Happy Halloween. Headless, Happy Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> I, by the way, am still hungover. It's been like three days. Okay. And I'm like, oh literally, my God. today is the first day I've felt alive again since... So we had a (laughs) Halloween party at my apartment and Katie drove down and hung out with us for the weekend. And Katie is the uh, Jello Shot Fairy. If you guys ever get the chance to drink with her. (laughs) The privilege. Beware of the Jello Shots. This girl, there was only like, it was like a low key party. I think there was like maybe 15, 16 people around. And uh, 80 shots. Yes. (laughs) Like, and these 80 jello shots were very full. She used an entire bottle of rum. I was like, why is all the rum gone? (laughs) 
because I used it in the jello shots. It's all the jello shots. And then I had the bright idea. I was like, we should put uh, gummy worms and then jello shots. That'd be so fun and cool. It sucked. I got every single one of them. And every single time I got it, I was like, this is disgusting. <laughs> I'm all trying to choke down <laughs> the Bacardi rum Jell- and the gummy worm. <laughs> worms all... It was a rummy, oh. ru- rummy worm. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so dumb. <laughs> uh, yeah. But it was so, great. Um, but honestly, I was kind of talking to my roommate about it. And I was like, I... Because we were, cl- we were still cleaning up our apartment. It's a total disaster. Because <laughs> I go really, really, really crazy for Halloween. Like, crazy. Decorations. Like, crazy decorations. Like... I, you know, actually murdered someone and put them in my bathtub and no, just kidding. But I did like do a lot of crazy stuff, like put a fake body in my bathtub and I don't know. It was just crazy. But we had a bunch of beer already in our beer fridge just from like previous parties. And then we went and bought like a bunch more beer and then everyone brought beer. Plus we had lots of like hard alcohol and I was cleaning up. I'm like, dude, there's like three beers left. We drank everything. Yeah. And that whole bottle of Hennessy was gone, which I'm just like, yes. I don't like Hennessy. <laughs> Me either, but I was taking shots of it. I know. I was, <laughs> I was just like, yeah, shot time. Let's go. <laughs> Better than my Costco Jameson. <laughs> Dude, I, I when I woke up, I was like, I'm glad I woke up. Honestly. We were up until like five in the morning. And then I was still trying to like, like, I was like, let's watch The Conjuring at like five in the morning. <laughs> And literally, my sister-in-law stayed, stayed over. A bunch of people crashed over. And I was like, uh, she brought an air mattress to sleep on. And I started blowing it up for her. And she fell asleep under the air mattress. I was trying to get up on top. I'm like, dude, get on top of the air mattress. I remember when I went to bed on an air mattress, I had my glasses still on. And I remember as I was falling asleep, like, this is, I shouldn't sleep with my glasses on. And then... <laughs> I remember throwing them, like oh literally just God. throwing them. And then the next morning, I like, remembered what I had done. They were like in a pile of beer cans. Oh, my God. <laughs> so they're fine, though. So, yeah. And I have like a know, whole like lost and found now. I literally keep yeah. finding stuff every day. I found like a wig, like all kinds of different costume pieces. I'm like, oh, my gosh, there were some fake nails on the floor, which is really gross. But yeah. It was a great party, uh, all 15 of us. It was a great party. <laughs> yes, good times. Good times, good times. But I, it's going to be a while until I take another jello shot. I'm just saying that. So You have to have my bachelorette party. <laughs> oh, my God. No. <laughs> Stick with the beers. So cheers, Not my friend. January. Drink a beer. Right. Stay away from the jello shots. <laughs> no promises. So. All right. Let's get Let's into get it. back to Ed Kemper. Yes, Ed Kemper. Uh, he did. I don't think he was a jello shot kind of guy. He doesn't strike me as the type. No. no. Uh, so on the evening of February twenty third, nineteen seventy three, twenty four year old psychology student Rosalind Thorpe was finishing class. She had ridden her bike to the UCSC campus that night, um, and then her roommate had assumed that she was going to take the bus home because it was raining. And then that same night, 23-year-old student Alice Liu was also on campus late. She had a different night class than Rosalind. Um, And she was known to hitchhike hitchhike to and from class, um, although police had warned against it. Um, And so when she didn't come home on time after class, her roommate called the police immediately to report her missing. What a good roommate. 
Yes. <laughs> she was worried about her with, you know, everything going on in the area. Um, and then that same night, Rosalind's roommate also called the police to report her missing. Um, and then they were both found a week later near San Francisco in Eden Canyon, dismembered. Gosh, man. I feel like today, yeah. um, I mean, I always tell people, like, send me a text when you get home. But they'll usually pass out before they me can too. even send me a text. <laughs> but it's just the That's idea, you know. The but in yeah. the morning, I'll usually check in with people. But I feel like... Like, I don't know, like if my roommate didn't come home, I think I would send her a text and be like, hey, man, you good or something like that. But I'd probably wait until the next day and be like, huh, she didn't come home. I'll call her or I'll text her again. Like, I don't know, we kind of wait longer, I feel like. But this is also like before texting and cell phones and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I think also if there was like, if I had a roommate who was known to hitchhike and there was a serial killer killing hitchhikers. I would be calling the cops. That's true. Although, man, like, on really Halloween, fast. guys, you guys heard our single shot. I got really spooked. I'm totally getting sidetracked again. But I was, like, home alone because my roommate, like, left for the night. And someone knocked on my door at, like, 1030 at night. <laughs> she was texting me. Was like, somebody knocked. And I'm like, um... Is there anybody out the window and you're too scared to look? I don't I know because I don't too. have a people on my door. So I couldn't look yeah. to see if who was there. And I was like cleaning, you know, and like watching movies and stuff. And then it was like a little knock or whatever. And it was really spooky because we had just done that episode about like people knocking on the door late at night and like killing people and stuff. I was so spooked out, man. Anyways, totally distracted. But <laughs> yeah, if there's a serial kind of loose and you don't come home. Yeah, I guess I guess I'd call the police. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> oh, we live in Salinas. There's a murder every single day. So. Yeah, yeah, it's true. No, I would. Like, I would. I would. I would call the police. Uh, <laughs> I don't trust them anyway. I trust them. All right. So, uh, in later interviews, after Ed Kemper, you know, was caught, turned in, whatever. Um, you know, he was talking about this, these two girls, and he said that he encountered both the girls on campus where he had, he drove to campus. He got in a huge fight with his mom, which if you guys remember in our last episode, we talked about how a lot of the murders would take place after he'd get in like an argument with his mom. Like his mom was a trigger for him, which is why shrinks were like, don't live with your mom. So of course he lived with his mom. So he was triggered there. Um, but he got in a big fight with his mom and he decided to drive to the campus, just probably, you know, looking for someone to pick up and kill. And he saw them and he offered them a ride home because of the rain and the girls were hesitant. But if you guys remember, we said in the last episode that the campus issued a sticker for people's cars, kind of like an Uber sticker to like log them as a safe car so that people would know, oh, that guy's okay that I can hitchhike with so they're not hitchhiking with a stranger of course it sucks that ed kemper because of his mom had the connection and got a sticker so that just totally backfired um but rosalind was the first to get in the car which made alice feel a little bit safer about the situation situation so she went ahead and got in the car as well and then ed shot both of them while they were still on campus, which is wild to me that no one heard a gunshot. Yeah, it was like after night classes. So I think it was probably pretty empty on campus. But you think that that would make it like louder then? Yeah, 
I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what he did. It's just really, really weird to me. Um, The campus is like kind of, you know, in the woodsy part of Santa Cruz. Um, So I don't know. Maybe. I don't even know. It's just really weird to me that no one would have heard two gunshots. Not just one, but two gunshots. And he shot Rosalind. Well, actually, three gunshots. Yeah. Because he shot Rosalind once in the head, and then he shot Alice twice in the head. And then he wrapped their bodies in blankets, and he put both of them in the back seat. And then when he was leaving the gate of the campus, a security guard stopped him, and Ed said, oh, these girls are drunk, and I'm just going to get them home. And these girls are just... drunk. (laughs) Literally dead drunk. Uh, Which is crazy to me. I mean, you see these slumped over girls. The security guard saw the sticker and was like, cool. Right? And now, yeah. like, today, I mean, I think uh, even if, let's say, they were alive and they were drunk, I feel like a secure security guard would be like, no, <laughs> I don't yeah, think Yeah, I feel so. like he wouldn't let him take them. I'd just be like, no, I, like, will arrange for them to get home safely or mm-hmm. something because you never know what this guy's doing with them. Yeah, it's crazy. Well, anyways, he went ahead and drove them to his house um but his mom was home so he wasn't able to do what he wanted to do in the house so he couldn't bring him in so he left him he put them in the trunk of his car and parked outside of his apartment in the neighborhood he beheads them like while they're in the car like anyone could walk by it i mean it's kind of late at night but still i mean someone could go on like a night run or drive by or something like that and he just is like chopping up body parts in the trunk of his car which is super ballsy and crazy and kind of is like when he looked at Iko's body in the parking lot of the jury room it's just yeah. i don't know just super crazy to me it kind of also seems like maybe he felt like well i haven't been caught yet and you know, he's been hanging out with cops and getting tips and stuff like that. So he probably feels a little untouchable. I don't know. Or he's yeah. just dumb. <laughs> a little bit of both. Well, you know, his IQ was 140. Yeah, I guess he's so not dumb. I don't know. He's not, he's, not, he's not the most street smart person, I feel like, though. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, so around this time, cops in the area are doing a random check of gun licensing and making sure, you know, that just that people are following the laws and keeping their paperwork up to date because um, they have nothing better to do at this point. <laughs> Look at this instead of finding two serial killers. But anyway, they come across Ed Kemper's gun license. The cop doing the check recognized Ed Kemper. Um, so he took a closer look and saw that his record had something crossed out in a black marker. Um, so if you guys remember, Ed Kemper's um, record had been expunged. And by expunged, they mean sharpied. So yeah. he was. Uh, the cop was able to just see through um, the marker and see that uh, Ed had been in an insane asylum for killing his grandparents. Um, and then they also see he has a 45 registered to him. So they're like, all right, he can't have this gun. Can you imagine that? Um, like, you've been going and having drinks with someone for a while now. Like, you, you know, you yeah. think of someone at the bar that you randomly see all the time. You think they're super harmless. And then you find out, dude, did you guys know that uh, Kemper killed his grandparents and was like in an insane right? asylum? And he's also like seven feet tall and he still owns a gun. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, Let's go uh, take it from him. Yeah. <laughs> 
That's what they do. Um, and they send a rookie cop over to his house to go and tell him he can't have that gun. Which, if I was this this cop, I would have been. Oh my god, know, terrified. terrified. I would be he like went by I quit. himself too. He wasn't like yeah, he did. with a partner or anything like he that. He did. I think because these cops knew Ed, they're just like, oh, you know, it'll be fine. Just go and get it from him. <laughs> I don't know. I would not. I. It couldn't be me. I was listening so, to a podcast about it, and they were saying that, like, when the cop got there, that Ed was, like, in his car, and then, like, he got out of the car and just was, like, monstrous, like, standing over the cop, and the cop's yeah. like, hey, uh, can I have, have your gun? gun? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so, when the cop goes to Ed, Ed gets, like, super nervous, because um, he's not sure, because they just say, oh, we're here to take, you know, your gun, and he isn't sure, what, he's like, what gun are they talking about, because he had multiple guns, including the twenty-two that he was using for these murders. And so he's like, are the police on to me? Like, what's going on? And then the cop mentions the 45. So Kemper's like, oh, okay. And like, and gives it to him because he's like, okay, at least they didn't want the 22. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. (laughs) So Ed is kind of starting to think that the police might be on to him a little bit at this point, though. Like... I don't know. He he's a little bit taken aback. Like, hey, they want the twenty two, which is the one he's been using, you know, the murders with. But he still feels like I think anxiety is starting to get to him. Right? Like he's starting to feel like, oh man, like I'm playing a dangerous game right now. Like they're they're probably they must be on to me. They must be on to me at this point. Um. So he he starts picking up girls to kind of like test himself to see if he can fight the urge to kill. So for a couple months, he's actually giving girls rides without killing them. But he would do stuff like he would talk about uh, about the murders and stuff like that. And then there was actually like a group of there was two girls, I think, that wanted. To, do you remember this story, Katie, where they like wanted to see they were trying to get directions like to go um, where the where the bodies were found. Right. They're trying to they drive didn't want there. to go to that location they um asked him to go somewhere and then we're trying to direct him and it would lead them right to that location but where they wanted to go was actually in the other direction so ed was like no you don't want to go over there you want to go over here and so they started to freak out thinking he was taking them to the wrong area yeah he was going to kill them but he actually really was taking them to where they wanted to go yeah yeah (laughs) I don't know. Yeah. And he even said in one of his interviews that if someone did start talking about the murders, that he immediately was like, well, I can't kill them. Like, it was yeah. like, like Too he was awkward. ashamed to yeah. be associated with that. I don't know. He's super weird, dude. But he still had the urge to kill. Um, and so he was, you know, trying to fight it, wrestling back and forth. And I was trying to fight the urge to kill, t- like, co-ed girls. I wouldn't go and pick up co-ed girls. No. Like, it's just so dumb. It's like, I have a uh, cocaine addiction, so I just, like, hang on to cocaine just to see. Just to see. Just see if, if I could, like, me. withstand it, you know? Yeah. I even, like, kind of smell it a little bit, but I don't snort it. I just put it yeah. up there. Just to see. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> That's basically <laughs> what I feel like he's doing. Yeah. Um, so... He is just, you know, all this is like wellowing up inside of him, right? Where he's just like, I've got to kill somebody. I'm going crazy. And he finally comes to the point where he's like, I got to kill my mom. That's the person who's causing me to kill. This all is from her. It all stems from her. 
This is this is the root of the problem here is my mom. So on April 20th, 1973, Clarnell, his mom, comes home from a party drunk and it woke Ed up and she went to get into bed when Ed comes to her room and she just says, I suppose you want to sit up all night and talk now. Which I'm just like, what a fucking bitch, dude. Oh my gosh. And Kemper tells yeah, her, his wants I know, I just imagine her <laughs> yeah. being like, uh, like George Costanza's mom. Oh <laughs> I know her God. voice. I suppose <laughs> you just want to sit all night and talk now. <laughs> I don't know. I can't even do her voice. No, but neither. <laughs> but I he know tells her no and says goodnight and he goes back to his room, but he's just waiting for her to fall asleep. Once she's asleep, he returns to his room and he bludgeons her with a claw hammer and then he slits her throat. Probably because he didn't have the balls to kill her while she's awake. Like, I think she would have, like, fucked with his head too much. I think so, too. I think she would have been like, what? What are you going to do? You're going to kill me now? And he'd be like, oh, no. Yeah. And then so go for a drive. He, he fucks her head. What? <laughs> yeah. So uh, then he decapitates her head. And then an interview said he humiliated her corpse, which means he fucked her head. <laughs> so oh, um, he then in the head. He used her head as a dartboard um, by putting it up on a shelf and then yelled at it for like an hour. Um, smashed her face and cut out her tongue and larynx and then put them in the garbage disposal. Yeah. Um, and her vocal cords were too tough, though, so the disposal spit them back into the sink, which Kemper then says, it, like, in his interviews, he, like, thinks this is funny. He's all, and I think that was appropriate because she bitched and screamed and yelled at me over so many years. Um, and then it's, like, one of the bits that he likes to do. Yeah. He then took her body and hid in a closet before going out to drink at a local bar. Yeah, I feel like, I mean, he just went crazy. He just, yeah, full on <laughs> rage, like crazy. Yeah. And I'm sure that while he is like doing all this to her, like he hears her voice, like just talking, right? Like, yeah. oh, you're this and that. So that's why he, I imagine that's why he cuts out her tongue and everything. He throws in the garbage. Mm -hmm. Like, I just want her to shut up. I don't want to hear her or anything like that anymore. And then she spits back out. So he goes to the bar, has his beer, has a shot, hangs out with cop probably. And then he calls his mom's friend, Sally Hallett, I believe is how you say her last name. Uh, he calls her and invites her over to the house to have dinner and watch a movie saying, you know, like, oh, my mom's here. We want you to come over kind of a thing. Well, as soon as she arrives, uh, he strangles her and stuffs her into a closet. Uh, his plan was to say that his mom and Sally had gone on vacation together to cover up that he had killed his mother. But he then left a note and said approximately 515 Saturday no need for her to suffer any more of this horrible, murderous butcher. It was quick, asleep the way I wanted it. Not sloppy and incomplete, gents. Just lack of time. I got things to do. With a couple exclamation points. Like, I got things to do! And then he fled to Pueblo, Colorado, which is like over a thousand miles away. So he took a bunch of caffeine pills so he could stay awake and just, he's just probably on a freaking high right now, like gunning it, driving straight there. He had a bunch of guns and ammunition in his car because he he just assumed that the police were like on to him at this point and were going to like bust down the doors to his apartment and see the crime scene and be like, we got to get Ed Kemper. We got to get him. It's definitely him. But um, yeah, 
he overestimated his importance, his mother's yeah. importance, and how much no the one cares about knew. dude. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Clarnell. Um, yeah, and you know the cops didn't even suspect him. Um, his mo- when he got to Colorado, he turned on the news and he saw that his mom and Sally's murders were not being reported. He was not a wanted man. There was nothing yeah. about him, nothing about the murders. So he called the police and confessed to the murders of both his mother and Sally. But they didn't believe him, and they told him to call back later. So he actually <laughs> waited a few hours and then called back and then asked to speak directly to one of the cops he actually knew and then confessed to him. So then police in Colorado showed up and arrested him. And then he confessed at this point to the other murders as well. Um, and then when he was asked why he confessed, Kemper said the original purpose was gone. It wasn't serving any physical or real or emotional purpose. It was just a pure waste of time. Emotionally, I couldn't handle it much longer. Toward the end there, I started feeling the folly of the whole damn thing. And at the point of near exhaustion, near collapse, I was just said to hell with it and called it off. I think now that he killed his mom, like, he's just like, all right, what else is there? Like it's finished. You know? Yeah. 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 It was like the thing that was just, I mean, his whole life, his mom has been abusing him, locking him in a basement. I mean, to yeah. be honest, his mom, in many ways, kind of did make him the monster he is. Like, I think that he would have been either way. Right. But she definitely, I I, I think he would have been she a either way. To it. But I think she contributed to the way that he was killing women and the anger that was behind yeah. all of that. Um, I mean, because she only saw him as a monster from the day he was born. Yeah. So like when he was, a when he, she would lock him up, you'd be like, oh, so you don't rape your sisters. Right. Like, and so obviously when you're a kid and you're hearing that your mom thinks that you're capable of something like that. Um, yeah. I mean, you're going to turn into something that, like that. I mean, if you have a kid that you're show- that is showing signs of being a psychopath or anything like that, like get them help right away. I mean, I think Ed Kemper would have benefited honestly living in an institution his entire life. Like, yeah, on a- he should never have been left out. He let should out have never been let out after the first murders of his grandparents. And there was a lot of I don't know, psychs not doing their job or whatever. I don't know what the fuck they do half the time, but... I think he, he was very smart. Right. And he saw how they worked and he saw what they wanted to hear and he saw how they were able to diagnose people and he just played them. He played them. He was too smart. Yeah. Um, and was just like, okay, this is what they want to hear, so this is what I'm going to tell them. Um, and uh, so was able to kind of pretend that everything was fine so that they would clear them and uh i mean it's not like they're mind readers or anything they look for certain things and um but i think that there should have just been some more wellness checks on him i mean oh definitely i just i think (laughs) they would have taken a look in his his apartment they would have found evidence and even when he was a kid i mean he was keeping cat corpses in his Mm -hmm. closet and now i do realize that It wasn't until after Ed Kemper was caught that FBI started putting together profiling and seeing all these telltales of like what a serial killer does in their youth and things like that. And because of Ed Kemper, we have that information now because he did so many interviews and such. But I don't know. Just it's it's unfortunate. But yeah, I, I do think he would have been a monster either way. But I do think his mom made it worse. 
Definitely. I don't know. She was, I don't think she got, I don't think she deserved the way to die the way she did. I don't think that no, at all. No, I don't uh, think anybody deserves to have their head cut off. Right. <laughs> no, just do it after I'm dead. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, Ed Kemper, he had already given a very detailed confession at the time of his arrest. I'm sure these cops were like, what the fuck? <laughs> I would be. I'd be like, um... I don't think I could ever go to the jury room again. Like, if I was one of these cops, I'd just be like, um, I just can't. I'm out. Like, <laughs> no, I would be looking at everyone like crazy. Too. Like, uh, his defense plead was not guilty by reason of insanity. And he actually tried to kill himself twice when he was in prison waiting for trial. But he was unsuccessful each time. His trial began on October 23rd, 1973, which is like, it's crazy to me how fast the system worked back then, because now I feel like it's like three years later. Uh, yeah, yeah, this but, all happened very fast. I know, very fast. Uh, three court-appointed psychiatrists determined that he was, in fact, sane. He wasn't insane. Even after Ed told them that he had partaken in some cannibalism, he said he had eaten one of his victims and placed her cut-off flesh in a casserole. Might as well call it a day acerol sorry you've been sitting on that one for a while i'm guessing (laughs) i don't know anyways (laughs) psychiatrist said that he was fully aware of what he was doing the entire time and that he was just enjoy the notoriety of being a serial killer so he, he was sane he wasn't insane Uh, When Ed took the stand, he also tried to claim he was insane because only someone insane could have murdered the way that he did and that he wanted to own the victims like possessions. However, on November 8th, 1973, the jury deliberated for five hours before determining that Ed was sane and therefore guilty on all eight counts of murder. Upon hearing this, Kemper immediately asked for the death penalty and he asked to be put to death by torture which i think was i don't know like he knew he knew what he'd done is wrong and he's just yeah i don't know i imagine that there is like this because you know there's some wires cut in his brain but i also feel like there's mm-hmm. a little bit of wrestling back and forth to himself and i i feel like if he's gonna feel guilty about any of the murders it's his the one of his mom as I feel like yeah. he kind of feels guilty about yeah. that one, just a little bit. But he was given seven years to life for each count of murder, and he was sentenced to the California Medical Facility. So here he was actually imprisoned at the same place as Charles Manson and Herbert Mullen, um, who was the other serial killer that was active in Santa Cruz at the same time. Uh, and he absolutely hated Herbert Mullen. Uh, and Herbert was terrified of Ed Kemper. I think Herbert was like 5'7", whereas like, Kemper was 6'9". Um, so Kemper called Mullen a cold-blooded murderer who killed for no good reason, you know, as if Kemper killed for a good reason. Calling the but, kettle black, aren't we? <laughs> right? I think he was just mad that there was somebody, like, killing at the same time and taking the attention off of him. Um, so he also said of Mullen that... Um, he had a habit of singing and bothering people when somebody tried to watch TV. So I threw <laughs> water on him and shut him up. Then he was a good boy and I'd give him peanuts. Er- Herbie <laughs> liked peanuts. That was effective. Pretty soon he asked permission to sing oh and that's God. called behavior <laughs> modification treatment. <laughs> I just imagine. 
imagine he has like a little pet Her- Herbert Mulligan and he just like sit on his lap and like Here, Herbie. Herbie want a peanut? <laughs> Herbie want a peanut? <laughs> yeah, oh my gosh. Like, oh my God. Good Herbie. He just Good his Herbie. Head. Here's a peanut. <laughs> yeah. That's so what freaking crazy. But Herbie was also crazy. Like, I don't know. That's, we'll we'll oh, yeah, cover him eventually insane. at some point. He was a crazy guy. Uh, yeah. While in prison, though, Kemper, he was kind of like like he did when he was uh, in a facility after killing his grandparents. Like, he excelled. Like Katie was saying, he was very intelligent. He, you know, attended all the meetings. He did all the things. Uh, he was very involved. Top, you know, top class kind of a prisoner there. And he was the same in prison after this. And he became a coordinator for a prison program called Volunteers of Vacaville, which is also known as the Blind Project. And it's basically, um, it's a project where they have prisoners record audiobooks for visually impaired people so they can, you know, read without reading. Uh, and so between the years 1977 and 1987, Kemper was actually pretty good at it. And he spent over 5,000 hours recording audiobooks for these, uh, visually impaired people. He read a lot of different books, like from children's books to adult books. He read Charlotte's Web, uh, Star Wars, which if you check our Instagram, I posted like a short little clip of him doing that. It's kind of weird. Um, Petals on the Wind, The Glass Key, Merlin's Mirror. Uh, so, so many books. I was trying to find a recording of them. The only one I can find, which I'm sorry if you've already heard like this clip, but the only one I can find is Flowers in the Attic, which I've never read myself. Um, it's a book about incest. Uh, yeah. So I haven't read that. <laughs> yeah. So it checks out kind of for him, I guess. I don't know. He has weird. weird shit going on with his I mean, mom. technically. <laughs> so I'll play a little piece here yeah. for you though. So you can just kind of hear, uh, for a second how creepy and weird it is. I don't know. Maybe kind of good. I don't know. <laughs> Chapter one. Goodbye, daddy. would be like one long and perfect summer day after all it did start out that way there's not much i can say about our earliest childhood except that it was very good and for that i should be everlastingly grateful we weren't rich we weren't poor if we lacked some necessity i couldn't name it if we had luxuries i couldn't name those either without comparing what we had to what others had and nobody had more or less in our middle class neighborhood in other words short of I don't know. I'm not going to play the whole thing. You can read the book if you want, but <laughs> kind of weird. His voice kind of works, though. It does. Like audio. Books. It's also very like dated. Um, Like it sounds like it sounds like I'm hearing it and I'm like, I immediately assume it's someone in the 70s, which is kind of weird to say that. I don't know. Just because of the sound quality or? Uh, no, it's just like his voice. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> awkward silence (laughs) anyways um (laughs) yeah so that's ed kemper reading a little piece of flowers in the attic uh i don't think that these books these audiobooks exist anymore probably not i mean if they were just for this project then i don't think i can't find i can't find any more recordings the only thing i can find is like small little youtube short clips like not even a full audiobook but just like like that right there, there's like maybe 10 more seconds of that clip that I could find. 
Mm -hmm. So if you guys out there are like sleuthing the internet and you happen to find it, like send it to me because I'm actually pretty curious to listen to a whole book by Ed Cumber. I don't know. Just not flowers in the attic. Just not that one. (laughs) But something else. (laughs) So in 2015, he retired from this work because he had a stroke, which made him medically disabled. Uh, Kemper is still one of the most prolific serial killers ever. In prison, he's always been eager to share information about his murders and what was going through his mind at the time. So like we said, the FBI took advantage of this and they had a lot of studies with him and interviews with him, recordings and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so a lot of our research that we have today stems from conversations with Ed Kemper. He's been up for parole several times, most recently in 2017, where his parole thankfully was denied. And he's eligible again in 2024, which I'm just like, Nope, this guy can never get out. I don't care how old he he is. He cannot get out. Yeah, I don't think he will. I don't think he will either. So we talked before about how his interviews and stories of the crimes are very well thought out and even rehearsed sounding um, to give this appearance of a shy guy who doesn't know how to act around woman. Um, You know, like when he was talking about like, oh, I couldn't think of stabbing a young woman in her breasts. Like, I could never do that. Um, but I did want to mention, partly because it's rarely mentioned, <laughs> that Ed was actually engaged at one point to a high school girl. Uh, we didn't include this earlier because there's actually not much known about her other than they met not long before his arrest at um, Santa Cruz Beach. She was from Turlock. And then her name hasn't been released because her family at the time of Ed Kemper's arrest asked to um, keep her out of the media. Um, especially because at the time, I believe she was under the age of 18. Um, and uh, the cop who came to get the gun from Kemper said that he had seen a blonde girl in the car with him and his fiance was supposed to have been blonde. Um, and then an engagement announcement for the two of them was found among his belongings uh, when police went to go search the apartment. Um, and I looked for that engagement announcement and I didn't find it. All I did find was a 1973 newspaper article in, um, it was, uh, the LA times, I believe talking about how, um, her parents had talked to the police about the situation and asked to keep her out of the media and for people to respect their privacy. So, yeah, I mean, it's um, for the best. she hasn't come forward. Yeah. She has never come forward as far as I know. Very scarred by that especially to be so young um yeah yeah but um and hopefully she's moved on and is okay and yeah all that oh. yeah. yeah so that's it kept her guys <laughs> <laughs> and yeah he's still living like we said uh he's still chilling in jail towering at yeah. almost seven feet tall vacaville's not far from me his birthday that's is creepy. coming up i think he's right there oh, december they had Happy almost birthday. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, my gosh. I, um, it's just so crazy to me to think, I mean, Ed Kemper is so much to unpack and unload. Like, he's just, he's one of the craziest serial killers to me. I don't know. He's just, yeah, he's so crazy and not actually crazy, obviously, because he's sane, but. It's just really, really crazy. And I think why it also is kind of crazy to me is just that this all happened so close to, like, our home 
area. Yeah. Yeah, it's it like, is really close by. You know, a and lot of our friends went to UC Santa Cruz. Uh, we grew up going to the beach at Santa Cruz all the time and like hiking in the mountains over there and stuff like that. And then just like. Yeah, all the areas that they mention are places that we've been to mm-hmm. multiple times. And um, I mean, it's crazy that to think that at this time that this was going down and everybody knows, you know, most people know who Ed Kemper is, if even if they're not interested in true crime, and that this was happening before people even knew what a serial killer was. And um, the '70s were wild. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like this entire thing is wild, and it you know obviously it is so unfortunate that all of these girls were murdered, but their murders you know brought about the education for the FBI to be able to catch more murders. Yeah, and so I'm not yeah. saying like oh okay then it's a good thing they were murdered or anything like that, but like um, no, I say yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It feels very oh my god. It just feels so recent, even though it was in the 70s, for all of that to be happening. Um, and that could, I mean, he's still alive and he's still over here in California and all that. Um, yeah. Yeah. So our sources yeah. for today were kind of all over the place. Like we said, LA Times, um, the book Edmund Kemper, The True Story of the Brutal Co-Ed Butcher by Ryan Becker, biography biography.com murderpedia.com uh edmund kemper the life of the co-ed killer by hourly history i apparently cannot like talk at all (laughs) guys i'm sorry oxygen and the crime mag are also our sources that we used uh in our research Mm -hmm. yep so um don't get into cars with strangers no no hitchhiking remember that's the reason why we don't hitchhike um don't hitchhike (laughs) and if you're 16 and 17 don't get married or don't get engaged to a 20 something year old 6'9 300 pound giant yeah okay wait so how old was he at the time that he was arrested um he was in his early 20s he's like 24 or something like that yeah i think so hold on let me check i mean obviously (laughs) dude (laughs) and she was like i somewhere between 16 and 17 um which i'm like to her parents uh (laughs) i don't think you should have let that happen um but you know that's just wild so he was like 24 ah 24 uh 24 yeah crazy it's, you know, always notice too. Serial killers are always very young. I feel like for the most part. Well, I think that there have been studies that serial killers because kill a lot when they're young because they have a lot of either just rage from hormones or like their sex drive is since that's usually attached to their need to kill as well. And then they noticed that serial killers stop um, usually when they. I think reach into their like 40s or 50s or something like that because that drive kind of just goes away yeah that's typically when and you get older and you're like less you know capable to do things (laughs) i was watching scream the other night with my roommate (laughs) and i was just like dang this guy is like really strong (laughs) i mean scream is like obviously not realistic whatsoever yeah yeah but the guy like 
you know, he's like picking up people and throwing them over balconies and stabbing them a million times and stuff like that. And I'm like, but they are like in their prime. They're like, you know, 23, 24 or something like that. So yeah, kind of possible. But yeah. So that yeah, is a Kemper, guys. Um, big old Ed. That's what the whole month of October, I feel like, has been about. <laughs> I know. We've done our single shots and we've done Ed Kemper. Um, so uh <laughs> happy halloween though. happy halloween. I know halloween's over yeah so but we're gonna be getting into the holidays so <laughs> next episode will probably just be like a single case um mm-hmm. we do have a couple single shots coming up too for our patrons and then we're gonna start on a we're actually gonna do a fan request coming up here pretty soon so we'll announce that when we're ready to drop that out and yeah that's all i really got so Guys, have a wonderful weekend. Stay safe out there. And, uh, yeah, be sure to follow us at Crimes and Cocktails. You can follow me at Tabitha.Ray. You can follow Katie at Grays and Stripes on Instagram. Check out our Patreon. Send us a message. Remember, if you guys do happen to find those audiobooks, I want to know about it. So send me a link for that as well. You guys have a wonderful night. Catch you on the flip side. (laughs) 